Hey everybody, welcome back to the Leaving Weakness Podcast. Today, I want to talk about something that really changed my life and set me up on the path of financial freedom to where I was able to leave uh, what to me was hell, (laughs) working on a day job, busting my ass to make someone else rich for nearly a decade. I was at my previous career. And over the course of a few years through real estate investing, I was able to, along with leavingweakness.com, set out on my own and leave that hell of a living behind me. And I wanted to do this podcast today because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about real estate investing, in particularly uh, the buy and hold real estate or rental properties, because Honestly, real estate is probably the most time-tested way to achieve long-term financial freedom. I'd say that there's probably been more millionaires made through real estate probably than anything else. And you might have a misconception that you need to quit your job in order to get started in real estate. But there's a lot of investors um, that accumulate these large portfolios over years while still maintaining the stability of their full-time job, which is essentially what I did for a few years. Um, And then you're able to one day live off the cash flow from your rental properties. Um, You know, real estate investing uh, through rental income in particularly has been very rewarding for me. Um, Like I said, it really changed my life and it greatly increased my net worth. And the best part is how my rental properties consistently bring in good cash flow every month. And I would argue with anybody, you know, with the coronavirus and stock markets, you know, taking hits, I would say that rental properties and real estate in in that sort of magnitude, the buy and holds, are probably one of the safest things to weather the storm in a crisis like that. Because no matter what, people are always going to need a place to live. So people are always going to be looking for places to rent. You know, if you have an online supplement company, man, that's one of those things that people don't have to have supplements. You know, if cash is tight for the entire nation, you know, that bottle of pre-workout is probably not going to be on their priority list. But paying the rent certainly will be. Welcome to the Leaving Weakness Podcast. It's a song. You like discipline. I've got news for you. You're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little douches. Oh no, it's time now to turn this mush into muscles. Alright everybody, before we really start diving deep into this uh, whole real estate thing, wanna go ahead and give some shout-outs to this episode's sponsors. So first off, want to give a big shout out to newsarms.com. Seth Williams, who owns that company, formerly Neuroids, uh, he is a very good friend of mine. And I can tell you all that as far as encapsulated SARMs go, this is the only company that I trust. Uh, in fact, I'm actually running some of their MK677 right now, and that shit is strong, man. I tell you what, I'm only taking... Uh, one capsule of that per night, which is 10 milligrams in each capsule. And I am getting the same results 
and uh, experiences with just 10 milligrams per night that I was taking 25 milligrams of other companies. And what I mean by results are I'm getting awesome sleep. I mean, I'm like dead to the world whenever I uh, fall asleep. And I'm also, you know, getting the, the tingly fingers, which is a sign of uh, a big indicator that you've got some serious uh, growth hormone secretion going through your pituitary gland. Um, recovery is a lot better. And overall, I just, I just feel like I've got a little bit more, you know, kick in my step. Um, skin's definitely looking a little bit better too. Now, I will say I'm also pairing that at nighttime with their nasal spray Delta Sleep Inducing Peptide, which I've talked about before on the podcast because it basically uh, kind of speeds up the different stages of sleep uh, to get you into that deep REM sleep. So what I'm doing is I'm giving, giving one spray in each nostril uh, right before I go to bed at night, man, and I'm having really, really good sleep. Uh, you know, the recovery, a lot of your recovery from uh, heavy lifting and your workouts come while you sleep. So it's very important that you get good quality, deep sleep, which is something that I've always struggled with. You know, I've had issues with sleepwalking through my whole life. Whenever I was a teenager, I used to have issues uh, with sleep paralysis and stuff, all kinds of crazy shit. So, and you know, the former career that I left, you know, I was a, um, branch manager for a food service company and all of our employees, they came to work between midnight and two o'clock in the morning. And I was on call 24 seven. So I'd be getting called and woken up all crazy hours of the night. And that, even though it's been two and a half years since I left that job, you know, to pursue my own businesses here, um, I still have some lingering sleep issues where I'll just kind of wake up in the middle of the night for no reason. And, you know, their MK677 and their Delta sleep-inducing peptide have been really awesome to keep my ass knocked the fuck out. But uh, also, Seth, he reaches, he researches this stuff himself. And he, as long as I have known him, has always been about quality. And I've seen his lab test. I know which lab he has his stuff tested at. You know, he makes sure that this stuff is really what it is before he goes ahead and contacts his um, his manufacturer to produce the uh, the capsules with the raw materials and everything. So if you buy Rad 140 or some LGD from him, I promise you, uh, you are going to get what that bottle has on that label, hands down, without a doubt. Uh, I can't say enough good things about his his business. And they also have some really, really nice um, all-around uh, supplements for general health. Uh, one thing that I'm taking right now that he sent me was um, this allergy supplement that's a bunch of different vitamins, minerals, and a few other things that really helps people out that have allergy issues. And it, believe it or not, I mean, it, it's actually really helping quite a bit because I live in an area of the country where there's all kinds of shit just floating around in the air. It's in the Ohio Valley, and it's everybody's got size problems where I'm at. Um, so check out newsarms.com, and you can in, enter in this promo code. And the promo code is leaving weakness, and I shit you not, that will get you a whopping 25% off your order. 
That's right, 25% off. So if you buy $200 worth of product, you're going to get $50 of that knocked off by using that promo code, Leaving Weakness. And Seth Williams himself set that promo code up just for you guys. Uh, the other company I want to give a shout out to is Elevated Botanics. Guys, I am a huge fan of Kratom, and it has played a major role in my sobriety and staying sober over the past several months. And this is the best quality Kratom you can get a hold of. It's lab tested for microbials, heavy metals. The alkaloid levels that they test for in this are testing at a 1.5% the last time I checked. They've also got uh, capsulated, uh, not SARMs, uh, capsulated Kratom for you folks like me who can't stand the fucking taste of Kratom because it tastes like mashed up asshole. So, and the prices on them are excellent. They have really, really good prices considering the level of quality that they're selling. Um, and they also, you know, if you're new to Kratom or you only tried a few and you don't really know which kind you want, they also have like these starter packs uh, that have like the three most popular strains of Kratom in like either powder form or capsule form. So it's an ideal uh, way to start a, you know, your little Kratom journey or what have you. And the coupon code for that is LW10. LW10, that gets you 10% off your order. I'm working on getting a higher coupon code for you guys too uh, in the f- near future. Uh, they also have CBD products too that are uh, lab tested with a chain of custody on their site. So uh, check those uh, two companies out, newsarms.com and elevatedbotanics.com. You guys will not be disappointed. So going back to the real estate stuff. I want to kind of start this by kind of telling you how I got into this and my journey along with some creative ways to get into real estate. You know, if you're kind of lost, you know you want to do it, but you don't know how to get in because maybe you don't have the money. Uh, And I want to kind of end this on, you know, several things that I wish I had known before I got started in real estate that would have made things a lot easier for me. So, like I said at the beginning, real estate has completely changed my life. Um, I've achieved financial freedom with only within a few years, and I was able to amazingly uh, retire from the nine to five day job at the ripe old age of thirty two. And it wasn't all just real estate. Like I said, Leaving Weakness played a gigantic part in it, if not just as much. But there's a whole lot to the real estate business that I had to figure out along the way. And now I kind of just have to talk that up to a pricey learning lesson. (laughs) There's no real mistakes in life. There's just expensive learning lessons is how I look at things. You know, I was scared shitless at the closing on my first rental property when we were closing on that thing. Um, And hopefully these experiences that I'm going to share with you all can help you guys get started on the path and have a little bit more confidence. So, all right. So here's how I got into real estate. Basically at the time, uh, you know, Rich Piana, (laughs) funny enough, Rich Piana, 
had just come out and started getting really popular. And he had this video talking about how he made all of his money. And, you know, he was talking about how bodybuilding was really a financial drain on his expenses, you know, with the amount of food he had to eat, as well as all the uh, bodybuilding hormones and drugs and peptides and all that shit that kind of goes into it too. And he actually made his money through real estate investing in rental properties. And he go went on, uh, it's probably, it, that video is probably still on YouTube somewhere, but he talked about what got him into real estate was the book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that, that was a really good place for people to start out. And it was a really good read. So what happened was I immediately, because this was at a point where I was just like fucking fed up with my career at the time. And I was looking for ways to eventually distance myself from that and find a new life uh, financially. So I went out and bought Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And reading that, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And what that book did is it basically taught me the very real and direct path to creating wealth and how I could actually achieve financial freedom. And that is a damn good book for anybody who really wants to understand money and understand how to create money. That's a great book. Um, but in that book, one of the main themes to creating wealth is investing in real estate. And you might not have much of an interest in, you know, rental properties, but just kind of hear me out on this. Uh, because it's not as big of a pain in the ass as what it once was or what a lot of people perceive it to be. I was, once I understood the possibilities in real estate, I was, I just consumed everything I could on it. And and I've kind of got an, an addictive personality like that. I go all in with stuff that I'm interested in and I just sucked everything I could up about real estate like a sponge. I listened to every Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, podcast. I watched tons of do-it-yourself remodeling videos on YouTube and I really delved deep into the financial aspects of how to make real estate deals work for first-time buyers. And what I did is I managed to save up um, about $11,000 to start investing in buy and hold rental properties because I knew that I, would, I was going to have to have some, some cash um, for a remodel. But... I didn't have much more than that. And I knew that, you know, if that $11,000, that might be enough to buy the rental property, but it wouldn't be enough to buy the rental property, do the remodels and all that other stuff and still come out ahead with a cash flowing real estate deal. So I had to get pretty creative on how I was going to finance this thing. Um, and what I found out is a lot of people that don't have a shitload of money, if you have a 401k, you can actually take a loan out on your 401k up to like 50% of whatever you have in there. 
Um, and at the time I had like $30,000 sitting in my 401k account and I took half of it out. I took 15, 12, 15 grand, something like that out. And, you know, some people might be like, holy shit, why would you do that? But if you think about it, it's actually really safe because you're taking a loan out on your 401k, but you're essentially taking a loan out on yourself where you pay yourself back at yourself back with interest. Right? So what it basically did is it's, it slightly raised the amount of money that was coming out of my weekly paychecks from that job. I hated so much, just a little bit more, uh, was coming out of my paychecks that was going into my 401k account than what was normal. I think it like kind of doubled or something like that. But I mean, it wasn't anything that was significantly hurting my grocery bills or anything like that. It was just my um, weekly payments to my 401k slightly raised. So I took like that 12 or 15k, I can't remember how much it was, out. And that was cash right there that I had readily available. So along with the like $15,000 I had there, along with the $11,000 that I had saved up over the course of a few years, you know, I had some money here to where I could get started. I just kind of had to get creative on how to find that money. Um, now, my, I wanted to do what's called buy and hold rental properties where you buy them and hold them forever, uh, theoretically, and just rent them out and, you know, enjoy the cash flow from the rental checks. And my plan was to buy undervalued foreclosure properties or near foreclosure properties and put several thousand into rehabbing them, then rent them out for the cash flow. Uh, and after six months of holding that property, what you can do is what's called a cash out refinance. Uh, and a lot of people don't know what this is, but that's basically where after six months, you know, you, you had, so let's summarize this. You have a undervalued property that needed some repair work, right? So whenever you... I know whenever I had mine appraised, it was barely worth $40,000. Um, my, my first deal, my, the, what I turned into a duplex. And after six months, you can take, have your bank do a reappraisal on it because, you know, you've put all this in, investment, you've invested time, you've invested money, you've remodeled it and everything. And they basically have it reappraised for its new value. And whenever that particular property was reappraised, it reappraised for $98,000. So I took a $40,000 property, invested so much into it uh, with time and labor and materials that, you know, it more than doubled its value. And what happened is when you do a cash out refinance, the bank looks at the newly appraised value and the difference between what they originally gave you a loan out for and they literally refinance the property, change the mortgage rate and everything, and allow you to take additional loan out on what the property is now valued out, and they give you cash for it, um, or a check or whatever that you, you cash. And what you do is you use that money to purchase the next property and continually repeat that bitch. That's what I did, and... Um, as you'll hear later on, when I refinanced it, I was able to pay, uh, 
pay down uh, down payments on two additional single-family homes. So it really is what kind of got the ball rolling for me. And this strategy has been used by hundreds of thousands of people to build real wealth. And it is commonly known as the Burr Strategy, Burr strategy uh, which is an acronym for buy it, repair it, rent it out, and then refinance it. And the refinance is where you see some serious possibilities. And I did all that studying. I got a real estate agent. I got financing through the small local bank, and I had everything that that I needed to get going. And it really opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and, you know, without that, I don't know that I would have been able to leave that career that I was miserable about at for so long as quickly as I was able to. Because, like, like I'll say, uh, it's was a combination of leaving weakness and everything that encompasses that as well as the real estate. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you guys some things that I had wish that I had known earlier on that would have really helped me out a lot. And hopefully it'll help you all out. Larger banks are usually subject to more scrutiny and regulations. Um, smaller banks often have the power to make more independent decisions based on the individual being worked with. So this means that they often invest in the investor. Uh, where big banks will say no, a lot of times the small banks will say hell yes. All these shows that have gained mass popularity uh, about flipping homes, I mean, they're really seductive to gullible people looking to make money. But the problem is they make all of this look a million times easier than what it actually is. And I'll tell you all, they usually only show um, a wife and a husband easily carrying out the rehab with um, minor setbacks, to be honest. And that is even if they show the rehab at all. The reality is the husband and wife likely have a team of very skilled contractors and handymen that know how to handle pretty much every single problem that arise. They just don't tape the shit. Um, they probably also have a team of experienced laborers carrying out the bulk of the physical work. And then this allows the couple the freedom to seek out more deals and spend more time on the financial aspect of things instead of being tied up with the various labor. And I know the idea of picking out colors and designs seems so fun to the ladies. And they're just dying to put their creative touch on the project. And the guys, I mean, we just love the idea of those big, fat fucking returns of real estate investing. But trust me, when I say that there is way more to this than you ever see on these shows. In fact, I think, I'll be honest with you, these shows, I fucking hate them because... I do not feel like they paint a, a real picture at all of what this business is like. The numbers are almost always f flubbed, almost always, when they show the budget, the sale, and the profit. They usually don't furnish these homes for the buyers like they always show on the, the end results. And most of the projects are only partial remodels. And no one knows that, but I mean, it's true. Like whenever you watch one of these shows 
and they're talking about all the, you know, they're showing the blueprints and all the stuff that they're fixing up. Next time you watch one of these, pay attention. They don't show all the rooms that are on those blueprints. They'll, they only show about half of them because they are partial remodels for these people. You know, they'll remodel like a kitchen, a living room, maybe a bathroom, a bedroom, but they might leave a whole bunch of like the other remaining rooms, like, you know, the downstairs or, uh, you know, the second and third bathroom, and a couple of the bedrooms, they won't even touch them, you know, and that, that surprises a lot of people. But if you look around on the internet, you'll find that that is actually true. And that's why they almost never show the whole house. Just pay attention to it because in real estate, there are possibilities of huge fucking returns, but just as many big losses if you're not not careful and do your due diligence. Um, however much money you think it's going to cost to fix up real estate, just double it to be on the safe side. Because you're always going to find wonderful little gems during the rehab process that costs unexpected money to repair. And I'll also tell you that a lot of little things can add up quick. Um, you know, you wouldn't, there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't consider uh, that turn out to start costing a lot of money. You know, just for example, caulking. You know, if you're remodeling an entire, you know, like three bedroom, one bath rental rental house or something like that, and you, it was a complete rehab, just think about how much caulking you're going to be buying. You know, for the bathrooms, for the kitchens, you know, the baseboards and stuff, you could easily buy 20 or 30 uh, tubes of caulk. And if you sit there and think, you know, each tube, you know, anywhere between 2 and $4, and you're buying 20 or 30 of them, I mean, you could easily spend... A hundred bucks in caulking, easy, and a lot of people never fact that in to the cost of doing a remodel or a rehab on a rental property. And like I said, a lot of little things can add up quick, and I'm not even talking about like light fixtures and shit. But the duplex, the, my first uh, real estate uh, deal as an investment property was a duplex, and I'll tell you right now, <laughs> I pulled up some notes and to kind of go over but i'm sitting here looking over the cost from do, doing that property four years ago and i spent almost fucking five hundred dollars alone in liquid nails spray foams and tube and tile caulking because it was a duplex um so yeah i think you know you divide that by half that's like 250 dollars. that's that's about right yeah in those three items spray foam caulking and some liquid nails, absolutely. <laughs> if it's a if it's a complete remodel, that's probably underdoing it. Most people just don't account for those little things that you need to get up and running, like fixture covers, light bulbs, doorknobs, and all that shit. And the cost is almost more. <laughs> well, I'm gonna oh, let me roll that back. The cost when people do their remodeling cost through my experience helping people out with this. And I was the same way when I first started, you know, you start adding up what you think the cost is going to be, you know, your little hypothesis, uh, and estimating it. And, you know, myself included, a lot of people just add up the carpet and the paint. 
<laughs> it's always more than just the carpet and the paint. So get ready to spend some money. A gas heating bill can run up to $300 in freezing temperatures in the winter. And when I first started uh, doing my duplex after I acquired it, it was in late fall. And I almost shit my pants the first time I received the winter heating bill that I got when I was remodeling this thing. I really didn't account for all the little expenses that would occur between fixing the property up and getting it rented out. So make sure you always uh, make the take these items into account and have a means to float the cost while you're remodeling if you, if you do the, the rental thing. Um, I tell you what, I'll mention them several times in this podcast, but biggerpockets.com, I'm pretty sure they got like a checklist on there somewhere. That it's like a PDF you could probably download or maybe an article or something like that on biggerpockets.com which is a real estate investing website that has like a chart of all the things you could spend money on in, in a remodel. And that is gold on paper right there because that will give you a true projection on what you're likely to spend. Um, the method for rental property that most investors use is what's called the Burr strategy. And this is what I do. And BRRRR is B-R-R-R. And that is an acronym for buy it, rehab it, rent it out, and refinance to buy your next property. So buy it, rehab, rent it out, and refinance. And during my first investment, I took the cash that I had to buy all the materials to rehab the property. But the problem was it took three months to get it ready, which meant that I had to pay the mortgage, the utilities, and all that stuff out of pocket um, because I had already spent the money that I had in savings on materials. Had I known better, <laughs> I would have put the materials on a credit card and paid it off during the refinance, uh, which would have built my credit and allowed me to have the cash needed to float the payments, which is something that a lot of people do, but I was unaware of. I had some experience in, you know, basic remodeling, and I assumed that I could probably get it all done in about six weeks all, all by myself. Um, I was wrong. Life happens. Um, like I said, that took, you know, about three months. I had a family. We, at the time, had a new baby, um, along with our then four-year-old. Um, and I also had that full-time job that I told you guys about in the beginning, which was a branch manager for a food service company. And that fucking job, man, it drained me. I mean, it's, every day was at least a 12-hour day, you know, and I was on call 24-7. And this was a ended up being a huge project because it was a duplex that needed a complete rehab. So what I can tell you is get some friends and some family over on the weekends and reward the shit out of them. And trust me, pizza, beer, and a $20 bill can go a long way to get some help on, on some rental properties. And you know, even if it's someone just painting the walls for you, man, that that's 
time is money, you know? So if you're paying someone with pizza beer to go paint all your walls for you, fucking let them have at it, man. Even if they're not redoing your plumbing work, every little thing helps and adds up. At first, I was attempting to do all this because I wanted to provide a great product for people to live in, but my wife quickly brought me back down to reality by showing me just how unrealistic some of these things were going to cost. Um, Because like I said, I wanted to go all out, you know, and buy the best of the best and all this shit. And I soon learned that kitchen sinks and bathtubs could be easily repurposed by using Brillo pads and refinishing kits, thus only costing a fraction of buying a brand new one. Always keep in mind, if you go the rental route, that people will be putting wear and tear on them. So, I mean, this is not their shit. They don't really care. I mean, sure, you're going to find a tenant every now and then, or you might be one of those people who have rented and take care of everything. But the majority of tenants, they know that's not theirs. And worst thing that could happen to them is they don't get their fucking deposit back. So they're not going to respect it like you would your own. So if you were doing a flip to make cash on sale, that would probably be a different story because you're flipping it and, you know, wanting it to appraise for as high as possible to get the maximum return on the sale. Uh, But in this situation, if you're doing rentals, always remember every dollar you spend needs to be a dollar that's returned. Uh, And it's why these are called investment properties. There's no doubt that there takes a level of skill to do remodels and repairs. And trust me, I know how intimidating it can be to replace a window if you don't know how to do it. Or install linoleum flooring if you've never done it before. But every single repair, installation, or remodel that you can fucking think of, I promise you, you can find a tutorial of someone doing that shit in detail on YouTube. I swear to God. At this point, I would consider myself to be pretty damn skilled in finishing drywall at this point. And I learned every single bit of how to hang and finish drywall by watching videos by some girl called C. Jane Drill on YouTube. And most of the stuff really isn't that hard to do. It just takes a, a, a little bit of doing it. Just watch a few of those videos then get in there and try it for yourself. At first, the first time you, you you attempt to do it, it's going to look like shit more than likely. But as you go, your skill level is going to get better. And this is extremely important if you don't have the cash to hire someone to do all this stuff for you. Because I, I didn't. I would also suggest doing everything that you can at least one time. Now, it might not sound like fun, But that way, you'll understand exactly what it takes to get it done. And you will know in the future, if this is going to be a long-term thing for you, you will know if a contractor is trying to fuck you over. You know, if they give you an outrageous quote on something and say, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, you might very well at that point know that they're speaking complete farts and bullshit out of their mouth to fuck you over and take advantage of you. So... It is somewhat of a good self-learning lesson. I can happily say that uh, this is a mistake that I've never made. Uh, Hiring a home inspector 
actually has kept me from entering into harmful deals that would have ruined everything pretty much for me. But uh, there is one particular deal that I was interested in doing early on that would have financially ruined me. But what I did is I had a home inspection done, and what we found was there was serious termite damage underneath of this thing, and it was like in the crawl space, way up in the house. And he, I paid extra money for him to get like way down in there. Um, and it would have cost about 40 grand to repair this thing. And this absolutely killed the deal. And there was no way in hell I was going to do it because the price they were asking on this thing was like $17,000 for a two bedroom, one bath, you know, kind of a small. 900 square foot house and you know it just needed a complete rehab because uh, it had been sitting there for probably 20 years doing nothing um, but I passed on it because the termite damage is fucking terrible and believe it or not one week later I get a call from some random person who had bought the property and they actually got my information from the folks that live next door to this property because I, I gave them a card uh, and you know, told them if there were any other properties in the area, give me a call, blah, blah, blah. And this dude found out about the termite damage only after he had already bought the house. <laughs> and guess what? This dude, like he was asking me like, you know, I've already bought it from the bank. How could they let me buy it with, you know, there being that termite damage just, I mean, I felt for the dude, but it was no one's fault for his own because guess what? He was calling to ask me how to get his money back, but he never got a home inspection done to reveal the extent of the problem. And the sad part is this guy was trying to find out if I knew how he could get his money back. And he assumed that I knew a way for him to back out of this deal after the transaction had already been completed. He already gave the bank the money. <laughs> and, I mean... It sucks, but it was an expensive learning lesson for the dude. And I actually found out that that house had to be completely destroyed and uh, burnt because the termites were so bad. Um, but I'll tell you all, contractors, and I'm not trying to badmouth contractors because there are some good contractors out there, and they're, they're hard to find, but I can tell you, most contractors, I mean, they're in this for one reason, and that's to make money. Even if it means fucking you over, they're going to do what they got to do to make theirs, all right? And it happens a lot more often than not in this business. So make sure that they're licensed and make sure they're bonded. Because if there is an accident and they aren't bonded or insured, it's your fucking fault if it's your property they get hurt on. <laughs> So, having said that, make damn sure to go over all their costs and materials and their upcharges and get bids from other contractors and compare the cost. You know, like if someone gives you a wacky fucking price to replace a toilet, you know, of several thousand dollars or some shit, show them the bid that you got from the other contractors. Say, well, this guy said it was only going to be this much. You know, I mean, use that to your advantage because... Even though contractors, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't expect them to do work for free, but I expect them to do work for fair. 
And I hold contractors that work for me, I hold their feet to the fire. And we, the contractors that I work with, you know, they know that I have a standard of expectations and they know to be upfront with me. And if it's something they can't do within a reasonable price margin, they'll tell me now. Um, but, you know, they got to make their money. I understand that. But hey, this is, these are investment properties for you. You got to make your money too. And you got to put yourself first. So the other thing I would say as far as contractors are um, do frequent visits. You know, if you, you've got contractors there working on the, the property and remodeling for you, do visit often and ask questions while they're working on it. Because the more you the more involved that you are, the less likely they'll be pulling shit over on you. I had a <laughs> contractor once that um, attempted to haul off all my copper pipes and I asked him about it and you know he said he was just going to haul them to the dump for me bullshit dude do you not think that I know well obviously he didn't but I mean I know what fucking copper is worth and they were all sitting in the back of his truck and I asked him about it and he said that shit, and I was like, I didn't ask you for that, and that was not in the quote, and you are not getting that copper. I want you to unload all of that off your truck, and if I catch you doing something else like that again, you will not be paid for the remainder of your work. And I told him I thought that was some really shady shit, and I tell you what, that guy tucked his tail between his legs and apologized sincerely for it. Because I told him, you know, I, I know a lot of other real estate investors, and I will tell them, if there's one more thing that you do like that, I will tell everybody in this community what you do. <laughs> so, you know, you got to hold people's feet to the fire because I'm telling you, if you don't take your finances into your own hands, people will do it for you. And you do not want that. FYI, I turned in all those copper pipes for nearly $250 in scrap metal. <laughs> what an asshole, right? Um, the number one reason why most landlords fail is because they don't treat this like the actual business that it is. Don't rent out just to any friend or random person off the street. Do background checks, get references, take applications, sign agreements, get, get online and get leases printed out that, you know, match your state requirements, get deposits, charge late fees, all that shit. And I'll tell you, it's really not hard to do those sort of things and automate a, a rental business because of Cozy. Um, Cozy.com will do pretty much put your ads up for you on like Facebook, uh, rentalfinder.com, apartments.com, all that stuff. You can set up like the profile to have like pictures of the property to where it basically um, disperses to all those sites where people can you know, see them on the site, then go back to your cozy profile and do the background checks, which they pay for, um, do the credit check applications, all that stuff. And they can also, uh, cozy also, how can I explain this best? They act as a payment processing portal for your business as well to where, you know, the first day of the month, it will notify that tenant that it's time to pay the rent. And they actually get like a 10% discount or free 
card processing or whatever, if they link their bank account to it to do automatic withdrawals um, from their bank account. Man, but Cozy also charges like late fees after so many days you have to set it up, the parameters and stuff. But they'll charge the late fees, send the late agreements and all that stuff. And I'll tell you, my business is pretty much automated because of Google. Um, we have like a, a Gmail business account that has like the Google phone number and stuff to where tenants don't actually have my phone number. Uh, they call our Google number and they get a voicemail and, you know, it basically says, you know, you, you've reached this company. Uh, please leave us a message. We will return your call back as soon as possible. And interestingly enough, um, when they call Google, our Google number, which was free to have set up, it relays the call to my phone and it shows up as my rental property business. So I know it's a tenant calling me and not just some random ass number. And I can choose to answer it or not and let it go to voicemail. And you can actually set up those Gmail accounts, uh, the Gmail business accounts now to where they will text, uh, tr they will transcribe the voicemails and stuff. So you can actually read as it as, as a text, you know, which is even more awesome. Um, and you can get on there and text from your Google number and everything. Um, you'd be damn surprised how much of my business I run from our professional uh, Gmail account. But pretty much every aspect of our business is automated. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it takes a lot to get going, but very little to maintain it afterwards, especially if you set up good um, automation on it. Now, I'll tell you that there is a really good book that I own, and it's the one that, it should be considered like the Bible <laughs> for managing rental properties. And the book is actually called uh, The Book on Managing Rental Properties, and it's by a guy named Brandon Turner, uh, and he's one of the biggerpockets.com guys. And he created a system that pretty much anyone can implement and automate their rental property business with success. Uh, it's a very damn good book. I would also suggest checking out their site, uh, biggerpockets.com, uh, because they have a podcast. And if you want to know more about getting wealthy uh, or how to get started in real estate, they basically have the show set up to where they interview different real estate investors that do different kinds of deals and different kinds of investing and stuff, everything you could think of. And they basically say, Hey, what's your story? How'd you get in it? Tell us about the worst things and the best things, you know, how do you run your business? And they, I mean, it is like college for real estate and it's a free podcast. So check that out. Um, now my first transaction was a huge financial success. It was a 1,800-square-foot home uh, that I bought for $22,000, and it needed about eighteen grand to fix it up and make it into a duplex with units that now rent for $450 a month. And the finance uh, was outstanding enough to put, um, the, the refinance was outstanding enough to put uh, down payments on two more houses. So the deal worked out for me really, really well. And even though it's scary and it's a lot of work, you can often find really, really big success. You 
and just know that if this was easy, everyone would be doing it. But it works, and hey, it worked for me. So, like I said, give some of those other resources a look into to kind of help you uh, self-educate a little bit more on it. Till next time, guys. Talk to you soon.